Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. Fresh off of Talk the Thrones, The Ringer is introducing a new live Twitter after show covering season two of HBO's Big Little Lies. Immediately after each episode, The Ringer's Amanda Dobbins and ESPN's Mina Kimes will be going live to give their initial reactions and break down everything we saw in the episode. And to kick us off, there will be a special season two preview airing on Friday, June 7th at 12 p.m. Pacific. So join Amanda and Mina for Big Little Live every Sunday on Twitter. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening, you're listening to the Masked Man the Show. Masked Man Show. The 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 Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. Uh, Nick Foley is going to stop by later to unveil a very surprising new championship for the show. Um, <laughs> but before he gets here, the one and only Kenny Herzog is on the mask phone. How you doing, Kenny? Oh, I am feeling uh, like I am worthy of uh, discussing the hottest new title uh, to hit the <laughs> wrestling scene since... The NXT North American or the NXT UK or the women's tag titles or the, um, where, am I missing any of the the, the new additions it, it, of late? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Luthez that said, when all else fails, introduce a new title. Um, and that always works in the pro wrestling <laughs> world. Uh, listen, we're going to talk a little bit about the, well, probably not much about the 24-7 title, but we'll talk about that in a minute. We're going to talk about AEW, All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing pay-per-view we're calling it a pay-per-view right on which is coming up on saturday kenny wrote about it for the ringer.com today um and of course we'll start with with uh, this past sunday's pay-per-view wwe's pay-per-view um what was actually a really super fun super good show uh, that i think most of us probably watched in bits and pieces or on delay but wwe money in the bank uh happened this past sunday and um it seems like a million years ago, but it was really fun. I did not write about it. I was on the verge of writing about it. And then, you know, I have a kid and a lovely family and they took precedence this week. But my piece was going to be called, or the working title was Money in the Brock, uh, which is a terrible title. But that's, that's <laughs> I think, tells you all you need to know. There was a lot of cool matches on the show. There was the Money in the Bank ladder match, sort of charts the courts for, course for the future. Um, and they used it as a platform to bring Brock Lesnar back to us and uh, give him that money in the bank boombox briefcase. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Brock Lesnar's back on a scale of one to one million. How excited are you, Kenny? I, I have been on the record on this show as more of a Brock Lesnar guy than not, just in terms of his presence and you know on screen. Um, when he's wrestling, uh, the, this, this, this did not feel right. <laughs> did not feel great. Um, and, um, I would say that while the pay-per-view overall was, I guess, okay, I wasn't, I didn't love it as much as some other people, but what else is new? I feel like, like with a movie, you, the thing you remember is the very the last scene of the last few minutes. And it really left a weird taste, I think, in a lot of people's mouths and made it easy to, to forget or undercut the uh, quality of, of performance that most of the rest of the roster um, and everyone behind the scenes, you know, coordinating the show, put in. Yeah. So is the is uh, um did did Lesnar win? Explain this to me. Did Lesnar win as a setup for him to cash in at the Super Showdown? Or like, are they? Is that going to be the pretense for that for his feud with Seth Rollins, or is he going to be at the Super Showdown and but he's going to hang on to the briefcase for a while? 
Well, there's no point, and never, never in the history of the Money in the Bank briefcase has it been more, um, or has, has there been a person who's possessed it where it would make absolutely zero sense for them not to successfully cash it in? So uh, as far as the where and when, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know how interested or excited people are supposed to be in a big, drawn-out uh, Lesnar-Rollins thing. I don't know what else. Uh, you know, you given that you know Roman Reigns apparently just is going to be on both shows every week now anyway. Maybe that's yeah. just going to be something they revisit. Maybe they really are going to go with some sort of Lesnar Kingston thing, or maybe they're going to have Lesnar cash in on Kingston and then go you know circle the I, wagons back to Daniel Bryan. Who knows? I know that the that the wild card rule is like part of the fabric of reality now, but it does seem weird that Brock Lesnar is the one guy who has the ability. To, I mean, who has the 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 logical purpose on both shows, right? Wild card rule, wild card rule aside, he could cash in on either show. So it's so it's it makes sense that he would be there. But even he's not on both shows. Brock Lesnar, <laughs> Brock Lesnar's too big of a deal to actually show up on SmackDown. Um, it, but yeah, didn't, Roman Reigns is on both shows. Yeah, didn't didn't Lesnar show up on SmackDown for the first time in like fifteen years? Some point recently, I can't. I, I, my memory escapes me somewhat, but I think that happened in the last several months. Maybe it was in the build-up to Mania to stir stir things or around. I don't. But your point, yeah. Well but made. he, but they, but they can send. I mean, they sent Paul Heyman out there on on Tuesday night to tease um, and set up the uh, return of Dolph Ziggler, which you will hear about more in just a minute. But let's go back to the Money in the Bank pay per view. Um, yes, please. Before we'll circle back to the men's match because that's the big finish. The show opens. Uh, well, the Usos beat the, I mean, beat Daniel Bryan and Rowan. I think just a kind of crowd popper. Um, Bailey won the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, which I think, which I mean, in the short amount of time since then, has played out really perfectly. She was um, the right person for that choice. I thought. I mean, I, I think I predicted her, or at least I, I I did a good job of talking myself into her as the winner last week. Um, and then yeah, it just sort of like the the te- the the match they had on SmackDown with her and, and Becky Lynch versus Charlotte and uh, and um, Lacey Evans, Lacey Evans, whose name shouldn't have escaped my brain, um, was really <laughs> good. And I and I kind of like the look of like this is the you know there's all these people are sort of number one contenders or at least have been in the past forty eight hours. But that and that was a really fun match. It was cool, and they had a lot of the the, the WWE.com and and their YouTube channel posted a bunch of or the the social media stuff posted a bunch of like reaction shots of people watching the match. It was just like a really well done match. And um, I don't know did did you have a did you have a, a take on the on the women's the the women's Money in the Bank match? No, it felt it felt fresh. It felt fresh to see you know Bailey uh, aligning herself with someone you know not Sasha Banks, uh, and it felt um, it felt believable that Becky was partnering sort of semi-reluctantly with Bailey, or not reluctantly, but just with the caveat that just know I can still kick your ass. So she's still kind of in character, even though she's made this big kind of um, face face push spinning off from her, from her initial heel turn. And, and, you know, Charlotte needed something new and fresh and, she, and, and it looks right. You know, her and Lacey look like, if not a team, they look like people who would be natural allies as, as antagonists. Um, so yeah, it, it was a good, yeah, and it was, it was a great match. It was probably the only match I watched um, really, you know, bell to bell, to be honest on, on, uh, <laughs> on this Thanks, week's Mike. show. So, yeah. uh, so but not, jumping not backward, I didn't watch the whole thing. So the setup for that, jumping back to the main event, I mean, jumping back to the pay-per-view, which is really good. Bailey wins the Money in the Bank match, which was a great match. Um, and then Becky Lynch defeats Lacey Evans later in the show. Charlotte Flair comes out and is just like, if you're a real champ, you'll take, you'll do your second match against me right now. And Becky, of course, uh, accepts. She loses to Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is your new champion. And then Bailey comes, and then Lacey Evans is involved, gets involved. Uh, Bailey comes out to make the save. And then eventually decides to cash in the briefcase right then and there. Bailey beats Charlotte Flair. Bailey is your new SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, there's this nice little tension now between Bailey and Becky. You know, Becky's like, "I'm coming for you when I'm done with this, whatever." And then, um, but it's cool. I mean, Bailey's your new your new SmackDown champ, and it and it I don't know, just it seems right. Bailey's one of those. 
Bailey's, you know, there's some wrestlers that, that where the, 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 the journey is the, you know, is the story, the journey is necessary to everything. And then there's some people like, um, I mean, I guess it's totally different, but in a, but there's a, it's the way I kind of remember talking about Dean Ambrose recently, where it's just like just put the belt on him and it looks right, and it and you can go with that, you know. And that's sort of where Bailey is, at least to me. But so and, I, and I'm I'm happy to see it. So anyway, back to the pay per view. That was really fun. Oh, also Bailey like got cut open in the ladder match. Did you notice that thing? She like took a ladder, a, the foot of the ladder to her stomach and got like got oh. bloody a little bit during the match. Um, I did not notice uh, her her tummy tear. Yeah, no, it was it, that they were, it was it was she she toughed it out though. Speaking of getting bloodied, uh, well, Rey Mysterio Rey Mysterio broke Samoa Joe's face with the little seated senton thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I mean Samoa Joe just popped up and immediately it was just like oh he looks different, and then he starts like bleeding from his eye socket, which is always a good look. Um, and then but they let him keep going, which was cool, and they they let him come back out for a post match assault after he. Uh, after he lost the title to Rey Mysterio, I'm glad we're you know going to keep this going for a little while. I like these two working together. It feels very, I mean, for better or worse, this is what a you know vibrant mid card feels like, right? I mean, we can all talk about how we'd when we want Samoa Joe to be in the championship picture or whatever, but this is, I mean, these are two people that we deeply care about feuding very violently over the United States Championship, and that's I think a net positive, right? Yeah, well, I think that the fact that they're feuding over something and they're not just really you know very much on the on the senior circuit, you know, where it's, where it's, um, an, an exhibition and it's low stakes. The fact that, yeah, the fact that there's, um, anything consequential about it makes it feel sort of special. I do think Ray might be, you know, I don't know how, I just don't know how much, how much farther, how much longer he can go. And maybe he's very much grooming his son to be his heir apparent. I don't know, but you know, he's so injury prone. He's, you know, he's, he, he has some, you know, some slips in the, in, you know, in the ring and whether or not it results in somebody's, uh, you know, eye socket being bloodied. And, um, and it just feels like, how can you build a program around a guy who is so kind of brittle at this stage? I, I don't know. I, I, I there's, so there's a part of me that thinks like, oof, I just don't know how much more he's got in the tank, but for the time being, um, it is good. I think that they're keeping this going and making it feel like, um, you know, Ray in particular, isn't just around in some sort of ceremonial capacity. I mean, listen, Ray's in some ways looks as good as he's looked in years and years. I mean, he's very, very good at, at I mean, he's a great professional wrestler and he's in really good shape. But yeah, I mean, there's a limited amount of time. I wonder, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Dominic. I don't know if you can, I mean, is, you know, I don't know if, if we're going to be seeing Dominic Mysterio as like a future headliner or El, El Ijo de Mysterio. I'm not exactly sure how we would do this, but, uh, but you know, it's fun and, and um, you know, Good on Ray for getting his son out there. If that's what you know, if he wants to get a little, get, dip his toes in the water of this, uh, of this uh, career. Um, next up on the card, oh, Shane McMahon escaped the steel cage match um, by the skin, well, skin of his teeth. I was going to say by slipping out of a shirt. It felt like a very uh, old school sort of gimmick. I mean, old school meaning like Attitude Era <laughs> or, or like. Uh, Eddie Guerrero like loosens his shoelaces sort of move right there. Um, But it was, you know, I mean, it was a, it was unsatisfying, but that's sort of Shane McMahon's gimmick right now is to like legit piss you off. Um, I know that you are a giant Shane McMahon fan. (laughs) I'm going to let you save your rant for the written word, but you, but, uh, but you're, you're, you're formally in the get Shane McMahon off my TV screen camp, right? Correct. I mean, I didn't. I'm, I didn't know there was there was a camp, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that maybe there no, is. No, no. But I'm no. I was actually I was actually going to tell you today that we might have missed our window on you writing about uh, writing the get Shane McMahon off my TV screen piece because someone made that post on Wrestling Reddit yesterday and it got a lot of traction. Err, um, I've been no, no. You can you can still <laughs> you can still write it, and that has been the end of uh, of Ringer uh, editorial corner on this week's Masked Man show. But um, <laughs> you, but there are people out there like you. Who are tired of seeing Shane McMahon? Correct. I don't understand. I, I I know I have friends who still can't get enough and will wear a Shane O'Mac jersey or this or that. And I just feel like really the the, the magic hasn't worn off from when he was um, you know the the scrappy son of the billionaire you know fighting above punching above his class. You know now he's really project projecting himself, putting himself out there as very much being in the same class. And that feels then that's when suddenly it feels like he really is just. 
like a just a billionaire's son, and he's can and he's doing this because he just wants to, and he can do it. And it's not. And now he's, um, you know, um, I don't know. How, I'm sick of. I'm just sick of the. I'm sick of this, this sparring, this sparring and the striking and the shuffling and the and the sneakers and the and the and the sweating and the coast to coasting and the and the hail the the hail Mary whatever the hell the Father Son Holy Ghost stuff. Sorry, I'm Jewish people and and the whole shtick, the whole routine, the the theme song. It's all whack to me. It's all it's it's he he's taking someone else's spot. I can't believe that he's like a he's a fixture right now, where his his storylines are rolling over from one to the next. That he's so that he's on both taking oxygen on both shows. I don't understand who it is that they're lacking confidence in, where they need him to to hold that place right now, and it makes me a little nuts. I think that's legitimate. Also, now he's more wild card than anything else. All the uh, authority figures just have are floating between shows with impunity. So I I. Uh, I um you know there's there's been an awful lot of Shane and the, for for whatever reason they've identified Shane versus Miz is I mean they're gonna I guess are they fighting again at the Super Showdown? No, uh, the Super Showdown. It's, this is this is the thing right now. Shane McMahon is legitimately now facing Roman Reigns. At oh, the that's showdown. right at the Super Showdown. I mean, come on, there's got to be and watching <laughs> watching Shane, uh, you know, pepper Roman Reigns with blows. It just felt so silly and so de- demeaning for for Roman and so and. uh and just, just so gratuitous. Everything about him right now just feels gratuitous, including him, you know, uh, making sure that we all see his his, you know, uh, chiseled physique after he falls out of his jersey because you know he's whatever. I just, I don't, I just, I can't take it. I can't tolerate it. Um. Well, you know that. The, the, so that happened. Um, and now there's this whole Shane Elias thing. Shane has also teamed up um, with uh, Drew McIntyre on SmackDown. Um, he's, you know, he, he just has a stable now of long-haired, bearded fellows, who uh, mus- muscular, bearded fellows who are uh, helping him do his dirty work. You know, I I think Shane's a good heel. I think I'm glad that he finally turned heel because he he was kind of functioning as a heel for a long time, even when he was like nominally a babyface thirty figure. So I, yeah, I'm not I'm not exhausted about him yet, and I understand why he's on Super Showdown. He's a you know vestige of this bygone era that Super Showdown obviously is catering to. Um, but yeah, anyway, he had a steel cage match against the Miz. He won by sneaking out of his shirt. Uh, we can move on. Tony Nese uh, defeated Davari. Uh, again, that was a really fun match, but uh, we can, again, move on. Roman Reigns over Elias, uh, moving uh, on. Lars right. Sullivan smashing the Lucha House Party, moving on. All right, now let's get to some good stuff. <laughs> Kofi Kingston <laughs> beat Kevin Owens. Um, I think sort of what, what was most interesting about this match, I mean, it was, a, it was a really fun match, and it's good to see... I mean, I love Kofi Kingston. I think every time he has one, he has he's had a top level match over the past several months. I'm half expecting to like fall out of love with him after the bell rings or something. He's just so much fun to watch, man. Like he he's, I don't know. I mean, he is he is constantly like living up to the hype. I mean, it's 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 really impressive to watch him. And Kevin Owens is obviously no slouch. Um, he's he you know held his own in the match at least from a non kayfabe perspective and and uh and, and did really well still feuding now now he's back with his buddy Sami Zayn on SmackDown thanks to the wild card rule see it's not all bad folks and then um but the I guess the interesting thing is that Kevin Owens did not win and is has been replaced at least for super showdown purposes by a returning Dolph Ziggler who came out of nowhere on Tuesday night uh beat the hell out of Kofi Kingston wrapped a chair around his neck did the whole like pilmanized him in the face, like or whatever. I mean, just like just was viciously assaulted him. Um, and they'll be facing off at the Super Showdown in a later interview. Uh, Ziggler explained that he was, you know, that all the praise that Kofi had been getting from the fans for deserving it, for you know, waiting this long and whatever, like that, that he felt that he that was his and he deserved it more. Um, I don't know. What was your take on if you want to talk about Kofi versus KO at Money in the Bank, but just sort of then the the fallout on SmackDown and and uh, Dolph Ziggler's return? I mean, the match I thought was 
uh, it made both guys look good. It was I like that it had a good clean finish. I don't think Kevin Owens loses any uh, shine or, or moment. You know, Kevin Owens is an established guy, and um, he has nothing to apologize for for um, you know taking an L uh, in, in, to Kofi Kingston in the midst of this kind of historic run that he's on in his career. I'm sure he's flattered if if, if nothing else. Um, as far as the Dolph Ziggler attack, I loved the aggression in the attack. I think why he attacked it was kind of could have almost remained unsaid, but obviously we needed a promo. We needed. I thought they would take a beat and have and have him open the next week's uh, SmackDown, perhaps. But I guess they got to sort of hurry things along with Super Showdown coming. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know the sour grapes thing. Um, it's it's a Variation on a theme with Ziggler and like the the, the red eyes and the te- and the the tearing up and the whole thing was I was very confused I was I thought okay so my, on the one hand I'm supposed to, am I supposed to think that you are now kind of Dolph unleashed or but then on the other hand you're kind of right now appearing to be more sort of Dolph. Um, melting down I don't so I couldn't I couldn't really figure out but I don't I will say much like Kofi, I don't understand the point of going back to this well with Ziggler unless he is really, and though he has been WWE champion before, but you know, unless he really is going to uh, be in that position again anytime soon, I don't think it'll happen at, sh- at showdown, but that's my take. Well, well, I mean, the, 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 the functional reason, I mean, for those interested in, you know, the backstage goings on is that Kevin Owens is supposed to have this match at Super Showdown and but but declined to actually t- take the trip um, over to Saudi Arabia. Uh, reasons not fully disclosed, although Sami Zayn was out uh, is not as also his buddy Sami Zayn also not going um, was out you know made the made it a, a stance to not go to last Super Show or to last Saudi Arabia trip um, uh, for you know personal and political reasons, and WWE respected that. Uh, one has to wonder if that has something to do with Kevin Owens' decision. Um, but, and then Ziggler was called back into action to, to sort of take up that spot. It's interesting to me though, I I guess not just that, that Ziggler is sort of a, in case of emergency break glass sort of booking maneuver, but that he, that Ziggler, that they didn't have another plan for Ziggler by now separate from that. Right. I mean that like you just signed him to this new contract not too long ago, um, whether or not he's going to be a headliner for you or a mid carter or just, you know, a hand or whatever, it seems wild that you would just sort of let him sit at home waiting for someone to refuse to go on a trip or for someone to get hurt just so you could slide him into the main event picture. Is that is that the best use of... I mean, listen, I'm all about people taking time off and being happy and excited when they come back, but, you know, if, if Kevin Owens had been, ex- had, been, had been eager to go to Saudi Arabia, like, when were, when were we ever going to see Dolph come back? Yeah, I think you're right. I also think that we saw with Bray Wyatt that they're willing at this point to, you know, hold someone back as long as it's necessary until they feel like it's the right time to kind of set let's set them loose, um, which is good. It's good. That's in a way they're protecting them in, on, a, in, on a couple of levels, physically and, and creatively. Uh, and I'm going to guess, I mean, I'm just going to assume that they were had something similar in mind for Ziggler, but with Owens' decision, which I'm amazed that they didn't see coming sooner or discuss sooner. So that's maybe that's a whole um, other layer to this. Uh, I'm guessing they just said, okay, you know, you know, get in there. You know, it's like, you know, like Rudy, get in there. You're, you know, get in the, <laughs> we need, we need you get in, get in, get in and take your spot in the line. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I think that's the, the pitfalls perhaps of being uh, a, you know, reliable, utile hand. I totally agree. I, I would be interested to see where they're, where they're going to go from here. I mean, I'm interested to kind of see what the direction is. Um, we have a lot of good heels on SmackDown, especially if Sami Zayn pops up every now and again. Kevin Owens, Zayn, Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, and, and Eric Rowan. You know, this, this is a good... I mean, there's like... Especially compared to Raw. Uh, I mean, Raw has, Raw has the monster heels, but SmackDown has these... Just like a really functional sort of heel division... Elias, of course, and however the uh, Andrade, I guess, is a heel. Although you know he's not exactly like yelling at old women in the audience or anything. Anyway, back to the uh, important stuff. 
Seth Rollins over AJ Styles. Again, another clean finish. AJ, the, the, it, it ended with a, a handshake of respect. Um, it was a really fantastic match. I love when Seth Rollins... I mean, Seth Rollins has, has, is a great worker who, who has something... There's something about his style. The way that like some people... This is just my personal opinion, but the, the way there's some wrestlers who you can uh, you always notice the thigh slaps when they like kick or whatever. Seth Rollins has there's he doesn't do that, but Seth Rollins has something very to me very discernible about his style. It's like when you're watching sports and you're like, I know what play they're running. There's something I can tell when Seth Rollins has chemistry with somebody. I can tell right. when Seth Rollins is having. I can I can feel it in my bones when the, when Seth like. Two minutes into a match, I know Seth like there's a good Seth Rollins match happening. There's just something very, there's just something very knowable about Seth Rollins' style, and I don't know quite how to put it into words. But um, like it, when the first time I saw Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre lock up, I was like, "What's happening here? This is this feels good." And then they've had a bunch of really good like TV matches. Uh, and then Seth Rollins, the moment he locked up with AJ Styles, I was like, "Oh, Seth Rollins is about to be God. Like Seth Rollins is about to look amazing." <laughs> And and AJ is good at making other people look good, but Seth, Seth just needed that. There's something about it. he just picked up his tempo a little bit and just like decided, and he just went a little bit harder. And there's a, the 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 chain wrestling or the 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 uh, you know the the move to move sort of storytelling was just a little bit more crisp. And this was just a hell of a match. I really enjoyed it. That's the kind of thing that we saw from Rollins in the early days of the Shield, and that you know I think myself and a lot of other people, for the reasons you're just describing, saw that kind of intangible, indescribable thing of, oh, there's something kinetic when it's, when it's clicking and when he's right, when he's, you know, paired with the right counterpart, you know, there, there's, whether it's a partner or whether it's, you know, an opponent. And it also makes you think, you know, when you speak of styles, it also makes you think about why everything was clicking so remarkably for Ring of Honor in New Japan over a few year period recently, because it seemed like every match had that kineticism, had that, uh, you know, inexplicable je ne sais quoi and you understand why WWE wanted to kind of um, capture some of that in, in a bottle you know and, and sign a lot of those guys but then they get caught up in the gears of, of it, what we know is WWE creative and all those moving parts so for us to get to a point at least where here we got we get to see two guys like Seth and, and AJ hook it up and be that that crisp and that um, that exciting is uh, is good for wrestling fans Absolutely. Um, and then the last thing from the pay-per-view was uh, the men's money in the bank ladder match. And you knew when it went on last, they were going to do something fun with it. We had Ali, Andrade, uh, Corbin, McIntyre, Finn Balor, uh, who, Jesus Christ, Finn Balor, Randy Orton, Ricochet. Uh, and then there was an empty spot where Sami Zayn was supposed to be. Sami Zayn beat... Braun Strowman on Raw last week to take Braun Strowman's Money in the Bank ladder match spot, then was um, uh, kind of backstage feuding. Like he wanted, he was scared that that Strowman was going to come beat him up at the pay per view. Triple H sort of laughed it off, told him to tape up his fists. Then um, Sammy did get laid out by somebody. We we all assumed it was Strowman, even though he left. He had previously left the backstage or left the arena. Uh, willingly very which was an odd move turns out he, apparently he was laid out by Brock Lesnar who at the very end of the ladder match came out apparently taking Sammy's spot knocked Ali off the top of the ladder uh and claimed that money in the bank ladder uh briefcase it was a surprise and it was a good it was it was well played apparently the the, the backstage goings on are even more interesting the, the the scuttlebutt is that earlier in the week it was a, it was it was known throughout the locker room that McIntyre was going to win the, the match. Then the day of show, they changed it to Ali is going to win. That's what they, that's the word they told everybody in the, in the company and then told the seven guys in the match, actually Ali's not going to win. He, as he's climbing the ladder to win, someone's going to come out and take it from him, but we're not going to tell you who. And apparently nobody knew it was Brock Lesnar until Brock Lesnar came out. Do you what, what do you think about this story, and do you buy that level of secrecy actually took place? Uh, well, I think you know personally, and I probably said in this space that I believe uh, very little <laughs> what I read on online, particularly when it comes to scuttle locker room scuttlebutt. And I, who knows how much of that stuff is also 
you know, purposely kind of leak to kind of get people off the scent of what's really happening and just sow confusion and chaos. It's like the, you know, Russian trolls. Um, just on, so all I, all I really prefer to do is look at it on its face and say, I expected Drew McIntyre to win, especially as the match progressed. I wanted Ali to win, especially as the match progressed. Virtually anyone of those men could have won, and I would have been okay with it. And that's my major issue with it, because the only person who could have won that match where I didn't, where, where it didn't feel good, was the person who won. <laughs> and maybe that's because they didn't do a good enough. <laughs> maybe that's because they didn't do a good enough job of kind of giving, showing us the like uh, mundane protocol stuff of how he gave and get it in the match. Cause what happens is he comes in and he winds up saying, you have to stop and think, wait, how is this, you know, actually by rule of law, how, how is he here? And can he just do that? You know, at least when Becky Lynch crashed the women's uh, Royal Rumble match, you know, you saw, okay, she was there. Lana was hurt. And, Be- and, Be- and Becky Lynch was saying, put me in. You saw officials with zebra suits saying, okay, go in. And there, were, there was like, a, there was an exchange, <laughs> you know? So I, I, well, I just... Th- that official was Fit Finley, who, and it's never quite been established that he was, that he had the ability, the, the, the power to do that. I, I hope they, I hope they return to that at some point. Um, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the real, the real victory of this Money in the Bank match, uh, ending aside, was that by the end of the match, you would have bought any winner. And that's because... Um, even for like the un, even for the 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 less attentive WWE fan um, who might not have been totally up to speed on Ali or Andrade or even Ricochet, the match made them. You know, I mean, they were they were they all looked really legitimate. McIntyre looked great. Um, Baron Corbin looked. I mean, Baron Corbin I thought had a stellar match. Finn Balor took a couple of crazy bumps in this match that were that you know earned him a title shot by any you know <laughs> by by any. Uh, non kayfabe uh, uh, metric. Um, he looked great. Randy Orton always looks legitimate, um, and it, everybody looked good. It was a really, really well put together match. I mean, it's one of my favorite Money in the Bank matches. I mean, I have to go back and watch them all to really say it, but it was one of my favorite ones that I can remember. Um, there are just so many cool spots. I'm I'm watching little bits of it right now. Um, but man, that spot that that uh, but with Andrade and Finn Balor with with. Balor getting sort of powerbombed onto the horizontal ladder, like suspended ladder. I mean, that was just one of the one of the all-time WWE spots. Um, and uh, you know, it's let's not let the ending cloud everything that happened um before that in the match. There was a whole lot of good stuff. Um, I, I think you're right. I think you're right up to the degree that, yeah, it raised everyone's estimation of everyone in that match just to, just a bit. I mean, Randy Orton aside, because he's already, you know, legend, blah, blah. Uh, and, and I think even that goes, I think that even goes for Baron Corbin, who incidentally, I was thinking about this during that match, he has two, so he has two essentially finishers, and, you know, either one is, is a go, go to the deep six or the, uh, the end of days, and they're both pretty cool finishers. He yeah. might not be he might be an, a cumbersome or irritating or, or omnipresent for whatever reason, all these things, but finishers look pretty cool. Yeah, he looked great in the match. And I think part of it was, and this is, this, so, this is so corny, but like there was enough going on, enough people in the match, enough like whatever that like he, he well, first of all, you weren't focusing on his button down shirt the whole time. Um, but every time he popped in, he was there doing power moves. He looked like the big brute that he should be. And he's, and he was, he was really compelling and, and really held his own. I mean, listen, what the, the, the nicest thing I'll always say about him is that he, he can hold his own. He put him in the ring with the McMahon family and he can like hang, he can, he can do promo class with them. You know, like he's, he's not the world's greatest talker ever, but he never feels overmatched, you know, when he's on the microphone and, in the ring too. I mean, he's not like he's he's not Bret Hart, but he's he's you know he's a competent worker who sort of is there in the flow. And in this match in particular, he it seemed like he it you know it seems like the bare minimum should be that you kind of hit your beats, you know, get your spots in. But he was I don't know he he was there with a little bit more crispness than maybe I was expecting. Now I think the thing to do is to legitimize him a little bit, maybe giving him a, a title at some point soon. And you know people can disagree disagree about you know, what 
value a title has, you know, in, in 2019. But um, I, I think he's he's earned his keep at least as far as um, as being um, once again kind of you know in that in that in a title picture. That's all I'm saying. But then the ending, uh, of course, is Brock Lesnar coming back. Now it's unclear of whether or not he's going to formally cash in to get a match against Seth Rollins at the Super Showdown or if he's going to get that. I mean, this is sort of where the kayfabe of it all breaks down because um, Brock Lesnar doesn't need a, a totem. He does not need a, a green brief, briefcase uh, to get a title shot. All Brock Lesnar does in real life or in kayfabe, all that he needs is to show up, right? I mean, right. and he and he gets his title match. So, um, and he has, you know, a world-class advocate who can get him these matches. He's got the reputation to get himself these this, those matches. I mean, it, it it all seems a little bit unnecessary, but it was a you know it was fun. I mean, it was a, it was a surprise. If even if you weren't a, a, super excited to see him back, it was it was shocking. Now he has another nickname that put on another T-shirt: the Beast in the Bank, which is so stupid. This made me crazy with Braun Strowman too, with the Monster in the Bank thing. You're not. It, Money in the Bank is a figure of speech. It was never meant to be literal, even when the, for the person who held the briefcase. The idea mm-hmm. wasn't that they were then in the bank and they were to be withdrawn at some point. If anything, the contract for the opportunity is in the figurative bank represented by the briefcase. Braun Strowman was not ever in the bank. Brock Lesnar is not in the bank. Well, where is this bank? Uh, like, how is there a the bank, bank that, can, the that can hold them? I, 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 he, that's the West Bank. That's that's the one that believe. But that with Saudi Arabia coming up, that could be controversial ground. So, um, yes. I, I just, I just, I just, it makes me the nicknaming that goes on, and and then it just sticks. It just whether we like it or not, it just sticks to it like tar. And I ugh. well, that's why I, that's why I was leaning towards money in the Brock. And even though that probably would sell less T-shirts, that's certainly <laughs> what that's certainly like the like the 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 deeper implication here is that. Uh, Brock Lesnar, the last time we saw him, we thought he was going back to UFC. It became, it, it, word has since come out that he's not going, he's formally retired from MMA, not going back to UFC. Now, you know, that's always, that door is always a little bit open, I think. But, um, you know, I don't know if it was a, what, I don't know what reasons led him in his training to decide not to pursue an MMA career anymore. But at that point, the WWE career, uh, I guess, gets reignited or the opportunity kind of reemerges. And, WWE is happy to, I mean, seems perpetually happy to sign checks for this guy um, just to come back and do these sporadic appearances. Um, uh, certainly, they see some combination of, you know, Vince McMahon and uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia and the executives of the of USA Network and Fox Sports or and Fox uh, have decided that Brock Lesnar is not expendable. Correct. And you know, I mean, I understand why, right? I mean, it, he is a huge, he is a mega star who is in some ways bigger than WWE. And then that's what they need at a time where they're they're dealing with a upstart rival, you know, in AW, which I know we're going to get to, where there isn't as clear a singular sort of transcendent name that way. And also when they're, yeah, when they're going around the world to places like Saudi Arabia, you know, um, sort of parading around their, their finest wares, you know, Brock Lesnar's King Kong in those situations. He is the, he's the feature attraction. And that's when you talk about whether, will he show up at, at showdown in some capacity to cash in or just to taunt somebody there, that's where there's reason to think that he certainly might, uh, maybe it might even just be a, uh, a quote unquote impromptu promo, just just something to get him out there in front of the people. Maybe then he beats someone down and says, "No, this isn't the time to cash in. I'm just going to taunt you and fuck with you and and make you think about when it is I'm going to really cash in on you." Who knows? Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash masked man. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within that first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, 
ZipRecruiter.com slash masked man. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-S-K-E-D-M-A-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash masked man. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So I wanted to, we're going to talk about all eat in just a second. A couple more hits before we, uh, on WWE before we get there. One, to wrap up the Super Showdown thing, it's going to be in what, it's on June 7th. So we're a couple weeks away. Um, and Sami Zayn's not going to be there. Kevin Owens is not going to be there. Daniel Bryan's not going to be there. The newest one, the newest name is officially not going to be making the trip is Aleister Black. Now there was, there was a lot of uh, speculation being being tossed around about why, whether or not it was his decision, or um, because he is a apparently an actual real life Satanist, which is awesome, according to. <laughs> According to this link that Jim just sent me, healbynature.com. Oh, this is from Meltzer. Okay, so this is them reporting what Meltzer said. The quote is, Black not going, like with Zane, was not his decision. We were told it has to do with tattoos he has that were religious in nature. It wasn't made clear where the Saudis, whether the Saudis told WWE couldn't appear with the tattoos or WWE made the decision uh, thinking the tattoos would offend the hosts, but he will not be there. Um yeah, that's just sort of funny stuff. Um, the fact that I mean, the fact that they do business outside of U.S. borders with kingdoms that uh, you know exclude individuals based on their uh, on their beliefs is so mind-boggling to me. I, like, if there is supposed to be some disconnect for us because it's happening over there, I, it's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. Well, he's got nothing going on right now, story-wise, anyway. So yeah, he's just doing weird. Gonna... He's just doing promos, uh, which is sort of strange. Um, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that he's borrowing uh, Mojo Rawley's cracked mirror to, to <laughs> get him get um, psyched up. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Mojo Rawley because he made it on a TV this week in a weird sort of singlet, sleeveless shirt situation um, <laughs> with his new face paint. He made it on TV in pursuit briefly. Uh, almost it would have been easy to miss him if you blinked, but in pursuit of the new 24-7 championship. How excited are you on, on this new about this new 24-7 championship, the belt that is not the hardcore title, but it smells a lot like it. It's up for defense anytime, any place, unless McFoley didn't misspeak about it only being the third hour of Raw. That would be weird. Um, and as long as there's a referee present, um, much like the old hardcore title, it seems like a good space for some of the uh, guys who don't have anything else going on, the sort of cast-offs, the lower mid-carters. Um, but I got to be honest, with our truth on top, because he exited Raw on Monday with the belt um, and and kept it through SmackDown, um, it could be a pretty funny gimmick if you have guys like our truth if, you know, if, it, if it ends up being the domain of you know the the more humorous folks like our truth what, what was your take of the debut? Um, and uh, and the and the first two days of uh, the the existence of the twenty four seven belt. So what you're saying is that it, it, it could be fun or useful if it's essentially sort of like a jobber belt. Which I, I if is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I mean I don't I, I think that there's a chance for it to be bit better than jobber, but like as you know, as long as it kind of it is what it is, then it's going to be fine, right? Yeah, I mean I, I get what I think I get what they're doing, and I alluded to this with you guys sort of before we started the show that, you know, I think um, where at a time when WWE is, is trying to um, really oversaturate any conversation around wrestling 24 hours a day on all social media, this is certainly a way, you know, they could wind up posting uh, um, all of a sudden a tw- they could tweet something saying everyone check into Facebook live because there's something going on with our truth and he's being chased by somebody or other. And then people are reacting to that at three in the morning and, and, you know, and they're, um, justifying the investment that Facebook's made in the partnership. With the, you know, these are the thoughts that cross my mind sort of cynically. Um, just as this is up on a fan level, yes, it's the hardcore championship, you know, 2.0, but I wish it were, and that was sort of implied in Mick Foley being the one to introduce it. And what a boy, talk about someone who just knew right away this, I knew this was a bad idea. <laughs> that was just all like, written all over his face. Um, and he couldn't, he did, he couldn't, he couldn't save it, but I don't know. I do, you know, and they want to keep, make sure people aren't there. They know that people only statistically will watch so much of raw or SmackDown 
at once in a given sitting. So they're trying to make sure people really stay tuned and are there from beginning to end. And they need that investment and that kind of loyalty because they need to make sure for Fox's sake that people are there and invested in the entire two-hour program when it comes to Fridays on SmackDown. I think all these things probably factor in, but it's a little silly. Ultimately, it's ridiculous. And if they were really being creative, I was waiting, waiting. It would have been so awesome if Carmella turned on truth at the end of the show and pinned him and took the belt. Yeah. Well, they can't do everything at once. But yes, I agree with you. I mean, that, I think we all kind of felt some of that. I mean, we felt that we were waiting for that turn to happen. <sighs> Maybe they'll still do it. There's still time. Give them a chance. Fine. Fine. Not like I'm going gonna... to... I will, I will be watching Monday Night Raw and pretty much in, until it I is die. nice for the backstage segments <laughs> to have that little bit of anxiety that little uh, vitality to it um you're more of a you're more of an optimist uh than than i you're more of a in a way i'm more of a true fan than i because you see you know the the upside of, of all these things i just i immediately start from a place of let's think about what the your shitty motivations were for doing this and then work our way toward a place where we accept it uh, let's just jump right on over to the biggest pay-per-view of professional wrestling show of this weekend, Saturday's Double or Nothing, presented by All Elite Wrestling, AEW. This is it. This is it. This is the first big show. I mean, obviously, they had All In, which feels like, you know, part of the same fabric, but, uh, I mean, and was part of the same fabric, but this is the first big show under the, AE, the, the official AEW banner. Right. Now that uh, Tony Khan has linked up with Cody Rhodes and the Bucks, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, um... And, uh, you know, got to throw Chris Jericho in there just for fun um, to make this new wrestling company that is going to, uh, if you ask them, will not be giving WWE a run for their money and not is not trying to, but certainly is trying to. And, uh, you know, they want to matter. You know, they want to be important. And, and they're certainly competing for our eyeballs, even if it's not on the same time slot on Monday night. Um, this is it. This You wrote a piece of, you wrote, well, first of all, you wrote a big piece for Bleacher Report about... Uh, you know, how this company was built mm-hmm. um, about Tony Khan, about, you know, the backstory to everything, a really fantastic piece that everybody should read. Jim, tweet that out. Um, and then you wrote for the ringer.com a, a preview of, I mean, just a, just a setup, you know, just a preview for the, for the, uh, for the pay-per-view this weekend. Um, I mean, listen, it's a, it's a fun show, you know? I mean, it's, it doesn't, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there there's, there's, I have so many different like little minor points that I want to make about it. Um, but first of all, why don't you talk a little bit about your Bleacher Report piece about the reporting that you did and, uh, and, and, you know, kind of give our listeners, uh, the, you know, the, the, the brief version of, uh, of what they need to know about All Elite and, and its founding. Well, brevity has never been my strong suit, but, um, I will just say that, yeah, it's a pretty, in-depth overview of these from the point of origin of how the first seeds were planted for this up through sort of how the kind of organizational structure materialized and kind of getting into the heads and the mindset of the cons and the roses and the omegas and the young bucks and yeah and people like jim ross talked to me and also you know from an outside perspective people like court bauer who runs mlw talked to me about what it's like to, to watch this kind of as someone who runs an ostensibly rival um promotion that's smaller than either really aw or wwe in terms of um in terms of resources and you know also um folks like dave lagreca from uh, busted open radio giving their kind of outside perspective and there's some the, the the takeaway is okay they are um they are serious about making a good looking good feeling um, wrestling product um, that will be nostalgic for some and forward-looking for others because I think some people are nervous about am I going to have to watch you know ten episodes of being the elite every week? I don't think so because my what I gather from all these guys is that they really want most of the storytelling to happen in the ring. You know, you're not going to miss anything if you're not those 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 like so many TV shows that have kind of. Uh, complimentary or supplementary content online for the diehards or just to keep their people talking about the show between airings. That's what, how a lot of being the elite, I think will function. But, um, I think for the core audience, it's just going to be just watch the, the weekly show when it starts, which is still TBD and watch the live events and be, 
uh, be riveted and amazed. <laughs> and we'll see. I think, I think they've got some obstacles. You know, they do have, look, they have a billionaire owner with a lot of other business interests and who's a very hands-on big wrestling guy, wrestling fan, um, and he's super eager. And then you have these several sort of uh, wrestling, you know, talent slash executive personas who are going to be there wanting to really have this be the first kind of run by the boys for the boys kind of wrestling promotion in some time, especially with this kind of backing. I'm sure there'll be conflicts and differences and some heads will butt, maybe some heads will roll, but this is legit. This is the first new promotion at this scale to come into this market, especially at such a uh, crazy time for wrestling period, uh, to come into this market in you know, uh, eons. I mean, you could point to when WCW folded, but really, you know, you could point back to when ECW first um, was emergent. Maybe that was the last time something felt like it was suddenly changing everything. So that's where we're at. So, th- so this Sunday, I mean, this Saturday, sorry, uh, we got Double or Nothing live from Las Vegas, Nevada at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. It's going to be... Uh, I'm sure an incredible amount of fun. I won't be there, sadly. But um, let's run through some of the big looks for the for the event, and, and and we'll talk about it. Now, a lot of like you said, a lot of the storytelling is going to go on in the ring, and they've had you know because of the debut of the company and everything else, they had a big press conference. They had some some stare downs. They've done some work on being the elite. Um, but you know, most of these were it's it's not just we're not just you know tuning in for the blow off. There's going to be a lot of storytelling left. You know, that's going to be bell to bell, which is. Um, you know, I think one way they can really differentiate themselves, as you were saying. Let's see. They're, they just announced one of the most recent announcements to the card is the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta versus uh, Angelico and Jack Evans, which I just I mentioned them signing Angelico, I think, last week. Um, but I couldn't recommend this match to people more highly. I mean, of all of the big names, of all the must see people on this roster, I mean, I'm a huge Chuck Taylor mark. Um, I think I think he's just incredibly funny and and he's really fun to watch. But Angelico and Jack Evans are just two of the best high flyers in the business. I'm perpetually stunned that Angelico is not signed to WWE. But uh, but set, I'm, I'm in this case I'm happy that he's not because he's really gonna I think be a big force on in, in AEW in years to come. Um, but this match will be super fun uh, and. I mean, it may just be one to get you going at the beginning of the of the match, but whatever. We have, uh, um, let's, let's see what what else are we really excited about for this show? Um, well, well, the, Bucks the versus Lucha Bros is going to be spot fest. Oh yeah, um, and it's it's a spot fest in the best possible way. It's, so it's the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros, um, who are Pentagon and, and Phoenix. This is, I mean, has the potential to be. Anytime these four guys get in the ring together, it could be a match of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is what is is kind of how much of the storytelling they're really going to do. I mean, storytelling outside of just you know uh, how many finishers does it take to end the match or whatever. I mean, but these are four of the most talented in ring performers in the world. Um, Phoenix might be in you know somebody's top five, and. You know, I mean, that's just on his own. I mean, with Pentagon Jr., he's, he's fantastic. With the Bucks, I mean, the, the Bucks as a team are just just unbelievable. Um, and that's going to be the one that... time to heal. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be one of the things about AEW going forward, too, is that they, I mean, you know, hopefully we'll get some of these guys off of the never-ending grind of the indie scene. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that's something I, I talked about, too, in that story. If they, if they pay them enough, like it sounds like they plan to... So that they don't have to fill every gap in their calendar when they're not, uh, you know, performing for AEW, then yeah, we might see, you know, guys who can actually um, stand the test of time. I think th- we didn't really talk about it on the show, but it seems like Lucha Underground is formally done, um, which is sad in its way. Although it sort of felt like it had run its course a little bit. Um, it's going to be. I mean, there there are a lot of a lot of people who are in WWE and AEW now came out of that Lucha Underground scene. Um, a lot of them under masks and whatnot. Obviously Ricochet was there in the early days and everything, but the, but um, it'll, it's, it might, I mean, it'll be sort of amazing if like the lasting legacy of Lucha Underground is launching Pentagon Jr. Uh, and Phoenix into our like permanent, into being permanent fixtures in our wrestling fan lives. Yeah. They have no trouble 
uh, filling up every night on their calendar, running around the world. I mean, the the country to indie shows. Um, but th- this is going to be a huge stage for them. And this is going to be that match that, like, y- if you don't really keep up with indie wrestling, with AEW, whatever, uh, or New Japan in the, in the past, this is that match that is that has the potential to really open your eyes about, like, what the wrestling world outside of WWE could be. And And to that end, too, I think people should really circle the SoCal and Center versus Stronghearts match. Not so much yes. you know, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Gazarian, et cetera, do what they do, but... Right, this is good. We, we, I'm, eager to, I'm eager to see how the Stronghearts from China are going to um, translate, no pun intended, you know, in this situation, and, and, and um, you know, if they're going to look like... If, it's gonna, if it looks like there's going to be a, uh, a rewarding reciprocity between... OWE um, and AEW. Yeah, that's a potential to be really cool. And this and these are and and the strong hearts are are you know from an an admittedly like let's see I mean the the big matches and we're gonna have to skip over some of this because we got to get out of here. Um, Nyla Rose transgender performer. That's all I want to say. Oh. oh yeah, the Britt Baker Nyla Rose Kylie Ray match. Uh, this is uh, there's the potential for this to be. I mean, the, the less a big de- a deal we make out of this, I guess, the more groundbreaking it, it actually is. But fair enough. So yeah, really looking forward to that match. Um, the two big matches that we haven't discussed are Cody versus Dustin. You could drop a Rhodes into the second half of either of those names, although I guess the Rhodes name is in some dispute now <laughs> in WWE, but I, Cody Rhodes, who's who left WWE, was it two years ago almost exactly? Uh, proceeded to... to uh, three, I believe, actually. Uh, three years ago, and uh, set out, forged his own path on the indie scene, as part of the Bullet Club in New Japan, Ring of Honor, um, and then uh, along with the Bucks was sort of the driving force of, in the creation of, of All Elite, um, has uh, a match against his brother, Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Runnels, who just recently retired from WWE, and now we're finally getting this brother versus brother match and all the glory that it deserves. They've done some incredible promo work on the YouTubes, and uh, this is going to be, you know... I'm sure just an old school wrestling match that will, you know, in the way that WWE doesn't always have the ability to do, they, they, I think we're going to see something that a little bit more of an indie vibe on this all an all elite, which is matches that have distinctly different identities, like sort of like, you know, um, ECW back in the day, where you would have their Dean Malenko, like wrestling classic or wrestling clinic. And then the next thing had like, you know, blood and guts and staple guns. Right. This is going to be your old school Dusty Road. I mean, for lack of a better comparison, Dusty Road style, you know, wrestling match, probably a lot of brawling and stuff. And it's going to be really awesome. I have no doubt about it. They're going to do a really great job with this match. And it's going to be a, a process of sort of, they're in this sort of interesting position with Cody, just sort of where he exists on the in the hierarchy. And the the fact they they have to kind of build him up a little bit and not just have him be the sort of de facto face of the company. In term, you know, they don't want to like Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes. So this is this is an interesting spot for him, and at all at all in, you know, he he won the NWA championship, uh, but that was not the main event. Um, so this is this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, and you know, to your point, I think the overall card is sort of more curated than what we're used to seeing in, in wrestling lately. And um, word, yeah. I think I think yeah, this is going to be a classic match. You're going to see them mirroring each other's moves a bit. You're going to see a little bit of you know, kind of. Um, close fist for close fist, you know, one of those deals. And, you know, it, Cody, look for Cody to win, I would say. And then he's going to probably go on to this thing with Chris Jericho because they're sort of sniping at each other and in, in the being the elite stuff. And I would peg Jericho as the first champion of the promotion, but, you know, whatever, we'll see. So Jericho versus Omega, I guess we should say one, the one match that was going to be on the card that's not going to be on the card is Hangman Page versus Pac, formerly known as Neville in WWE. Um that match was canceled over some uh, shenanigans. Ba- I mean, some backstage negotiation gone awry. They did actually have a match where they flew Page out to the UK to challenge Pac on his uh, WrestleGate show. He, Pac is currently the WrestleGate champion. There was, I guess, the issue was that Pac didn't want to lose because he didn't in a, in, a, in a different promotion because he's the champ over there and didn't want to diminish their belt by losing. And they didn't want to do like a schmoz finish because they thought that would maybe diminish the show, the reaction of the show. And they and they they were actually going to have Pac win, which is a weird thing. But they were going to have Pac win in, I think, a 
it, it, to, to set up an eventual loss to Kenny Omega, all which is to say Hangman Page is going to be doing something on this show. Pac is not. I Presumably he'll pop up with them later on and they'll, they'll have a good working relationship. But um, Kenny Omega, who, presu- who according to, the, to Melter and, and others, would have beat Pac, eventually is fighting his old nemesis, Chris Jericho, um, these are two of probably the biggest names in the world and, and two of the biggest names in the company. Chris Jericho is obviously the WWE and WCW sort of living legend and Kenny Omega is also a living legend just based on his body of work in New Japan. Um, there's still going to be some people watching this match who are big wrestling fans and this is going to be their first exposure to Kenny Omega. What can they expect from this match? Wow, that's, a, I mean, you know, people should go back and watch the match they put on you know, I'd say at Wrestle Kingdom 12, but I think they're going to look to do something totally different. And that was, that was its own, um, that had its own animated energy, you know, that, that heading into it. Um, and I think they kind of put that to rest. So I, I think this is kind of a clean slate, but I mean, what Jericho claims he's in the best shape of, you know, proverbially the best shape he's been in, in forever. I'm sure Omega's, Omega's another guy who needed the physical rest. They are going to be, uh, like everyone on this roster, um, ready for, um, you know, ready to go the extra mile, ready to go, you know, give 100% from, from beginning to end. So I think it's going to be vicious at times. I think it's going to be, um, so there'll be some real, um, you know, Malenko-worthy uh, ex- execution at other times. And uh, I would expect, I don't know, I, I, that's a tough call. I wonder if there'll be something schmozzy about the ending here. But um Maybe this is where we'll start to see some real factions begin to to coalesce, you know, on, on screen, depending on how it ends and who's involved. The schmozzy thing is actually not a bad call. I was actually ta- t- thinking over that in my head because when the story started trickling out that they didn't want to book Pac Hangman in a schmo, and you know, as a non-finish, as a count out or whatever, that it didn't make a lot of sense that you wouldn't want that on your card. That, that's you know, this is pro wrestling. We're used to that kind of thing, unless you already have a big non-finish booked. And you don't want it to seem like that's like the story of the whole show. Um, so maybe there is, you know, maybe there will be some something something weird to this one. Anyway, these are two incredibly talented wrestlers. Chris Jericho is obviously not um, a young kid, but he can still really go. Uh, and Kenny Omega is, by you know, many accounts, the best wrestler in the world. So um, excited to see all that happen. You know, whether he's the best wrestler in the world, well, apparently Shane McMahon is the best in the world. Um, I, I, I don't know if I feel that way about Kenny Omega, but he's one of them. And he is, thing is, I've, maybe, maybe he is in the sense that I have always looked forward to, to a Kenny Omega match. And I have always watched every minute of a Kenny Omega match. And I don't think he's ever had a bad um with some, you know, a bad high-profile match, or where him and the other, him and the other person have not gotten the best out of each other. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's it's going to be a really awesome main event. Yeah, that's it's going to be a lot of fun. Kenny Omega uh, still is trying to live up to the standard that he set when he wrestled a nine-year-old girl. Um, <laughs> wait, how long ago was that? I, I, I mean, I'm, I've, I'm not sure offhand. That's how he came but, to most people's attention, and but it's amazing. He's 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 so so good. He's so good. Everything that he does is so much fun, and and it's going to be. Uh, this is one of those matches that you just know is going to live up to the hype in, in one way or another. So that'll be a lot of fun. They also there's also a battle royal, a casino battle royal, who gets a future AEW championship match. There's a lot. We got a TV show. I mean, they got their weekly series coming up this fall on TNT. So a lot of that's still to be, uh, you know, spelled out. And they got two more live events this summer. This is going to be the beginning of something big. We got to get out of here. Uh, please read Kenny's piece on All Eight on TheRinger.com. I mean, on, on Double or Nothing, his his big AEW piece on Bleacher Report. And before we get out of here, I do want to take one minute to acknowledge that this is the 20-year anniversary today as we record this of Owen Hart's death. I have talked about this on the show before, but... I was not watching the show that night. Actually, didn't watch a ton of pay-per-views when I was growing up. Had to kind of follow along um, on videotapes and the weekly programming. Um, Me too. But I was... Because you couldn't afford them. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but I I remember very clearly sitting in my living room in Fort Worth, Texas, and the phone ringing and picking it up, and it was Brian Curtis, my (laughs) partner from the press box, who was watching it at his friend's house, who... And who had to inform me um, that as he was watching, Owen Hart had died. 
uh, it was one of the um, most unnerving phone calls I've ever gotten. And uh, and my personal experience with it is nothing compared to those people who uh, you know worked worked with Owen, were family members and friends with Owen. Um, I I don't even I don't know what else to say except that he was one of the greats. I mean, absolutely one of the best ever, and and one of my favorite wrestlers. And and uh, you know, it, we we think about him all the time. But this is this being the anniversary, you know, it's it's worth mentioning it right now. Do you have any any Owen Hart memories you want to share? Well, it gives me the it, it kind of like gives me chill to think that it is the anniversary. And I remember where I was too. I mean, along with you know Kurt Cobain's death, there are a few from from our time where I really remember where I was and I was at my buddy's house and we were all hanging out. I think, you know, eager to know what the results of that night's pay-per-view were going to be, but yeah, we didn't pay for pay-per-views back then. And, um, I remember coming on the local news and it being a mixture of sort of shock and being stunned. And this was before you texted people and tweeted people about these things. So you just sort of had to process it and you and your small group of friends actually had to have a conversation about that, how, how the hell did that happen and, and sort of process it together and um, bearing in mind you didn't know him personally. But I also recall it being one of the first times that I ever saw outside of the news covering, you know, steroid scandals and the sensational aspects, the news covering something that happened for real and wrestling as real news and, and not being um, downgrading about it, treating it as a real tragedy. So that was unique as well. It's a real tragedy. Um, that sounded really like I was being dismissive. It's I'm not. This is I'm heart, heartbroken anew every time we discuss it. Um, we got to get out of here, Kenny. Thank you so much for doing this. You can follow Kenny thank on you, the Twitters at Kenny Herzog. Anything else you want to plug? Nope. All good. All right. Check ch- check out those pieces we mentioned before. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks as always to my heel producer Jim. Thank you all for listening to this. Um, enjoy Double or Nothing this weekend. I know I will. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley, who may or may not be on that show, but uh, there's no reason to believe that he will. I would put money, befitting the theme of the sh- of the show, that he will. But, but, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Hangman Page is out there looking for an opponent. Uh, but but regardless, apologies to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. He is a apparently an actual real life Satanist, which is awesome. He's not exactly like yelling at old women in the audience or anything.